one of the things that we were just talking about is, is how God, God's anointing and God's um, presence, even though it carries and may linger from what he's done in the past, but God is not in short supply of who he is and who he wants to reveal himself and how he wants to reveal himself to each and every one of us. And I think that is so amazing. That's why we worship him because there's just no end. I mean, calling, being able to call God of the universe Abba, that is just so profound and so, so deep and so meaningful. It's like, I can't believe he gives us the privilege. And you have to understand that, that when God, when people invent God, there is a chasm, there's a huge gap between God and its creation. It's like this, like, oh, don't, don't get near the humans, all these Greek gods that were invented. And our God, the real true God, said, no, I'm going to come down and get my hands dirty. And it was like completely in opposition to all the other belief systems of gods and, and all that. And so... And and just kind of inviting us into this relationship to call him Father, to call him Abba. I, as I was just, we were just singing that, you know, just a thought struck me. I was like, man, how sad is it when we are not in a place where we can actually call God Father or Abba? And it just got me thinking, like, I wonder how many Christians or churchgoers sit in church and have no clue what it feels like to go all out and say, you are my father, you are my Abba. Like theologically, yes, he's our father, but like to really get this big God into your space where he becomes your Abba. That is the goal of what we're trying to do here at Odyssey. That is, when, that is where revival starts. God's movement doesn't start from somewhere out there. It starts him moving within our hearts, within our minds, within our lives. And we have to invite him into that. I have to invite him in. Don't think that because I'm speaking or because I'm a pastor, it comes naturally or God has a special section for his pastors. We're probably the most screwed up of all y'all. And hearing your stories doesn't make us any much more inspired. <laughs> you know, we're all messed up. And, and that's why God is not like saying, hey, I'm going to give more of myself to, to you because you're a pastor. And, well, you're just a regular person who goes to work. You don't need that much of me. Heck no. We all need as much of him as we can. And unfortunately, it's up to us how much of God we let into our lives. And I also, I tend to freak our team out because I told them, I was like, I didn't really know what, what I was going to say today, um, completely unprepared. But, and it's kind of true. Um, we have our theme, parables of the kingdom. And so I have something prepared in that light. But I was just, what I didn't really have prepared is something that I'm always asking God. is like, God, what do you want to say to us tonight or this morning or today? Like, what is it? Like, we have a plan. And I love having a plan because that's like, you know, that's the good thing about about God is that he can use our plan. Sorry, guys. And so, and so, and I feel like God kind of like, two phrases that like, that really jumped out at me, and um, we're going to read some scripture, and just, I'll just make a few observations, because I think God has like spoken to us so significantly last night, 
and this morning. I was not expecting what happened this morning just now. I was just, I'm, so, I'm just so thankful that God just exceeds our expectation. Um, just so, so thankful that he exceeds our expectation. Two phrases that kind of jumped out in the, the kind of the theme that I want to talk about today a little bit is about seizing the day. About seizing the day. Not just living life, but growing as we live. And, and I think that we need to kind of revisit the concept of every day is not promised. Some people did not wake up this morning. Some people will not wake up tomorrow morning. And I think we are so used to assuming that we're going to get up and we're going to be fully working that we fail to seize the day. And maybe in our lives we've tried to seize the day, but we've been faced with a lot of opposition. Who knows what I'm talking about? As soon as you try to do something in life, all of a sudden you get knocked out with opposition. And so what that opposition does is that that opposition kind of pushes you back into your corner of comfort into your corner of like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do this thing. And I think God is calling us out to begin to seize the day. And the two things that, that just like jumped out me that I, that I want to repeat a few times and I want us to take this with us is that there will be opposition, but remember that the opposition is opportunity in disguise. Your opposition is actually opportunity in disguise. And the other phrase that I just want to say is that it won't be easy but it will be satisfying, refreshing, and rewarding. Give your Bibles. I'll read a couple of passages. Luke chapter 9. We're going to read this together. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. This is going to be in the message translation. On the road... Someone asked if he could go along with Jesus. He said, I'll go with you wherever, he said. And that kind of reminds us of us, right? Jesus is doing something. We're like, yeah, I'll go with you wherever. Verse 57, uh, let go 58. Jesus was curt. He said, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best of inns, you know. Jesus said to another, follow me. He said, certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangement for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. But first, excuse me, while I get things straightened out at home. And then Jesus said, no procrastination. No backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. And reading this, I realized that so many of us can put ourselves in these people's shoes. 
Like, yes, God, I love you, but I got to build my business. I got to make some money. I need to buy the house. I need to spend time with my family. I need to fix my car. I need to sleep in. I need to have some free time because it's sunny. I need to snuggle because it's cold. I need to stay inside because it's raining. Oh, wait, let's turn the AC on because it's too hot. I have to go to school. got to raise my kids. And all the things that I mentioned, and I can mention so many more, it's not that these things are bad and we need to neglect them, but, but what ever entered into our mind that seizing the day to announce and live in God's kingdom is opposite to, to living life. Jesus is not saying, abandon your wife and your kids and your job. Be lazy so that you can follow me. What he's saying is that if you decide to follow me, really, really think it through. And I think in American culture, we've made it way too simple. Just say the prayer. Jesus will save you. And what we're reading here is that count the cost. Evaluate what you're saying yes to. Jesus' life was not easy. Jesus was on the move. He was working. He was moving. He was uncomfortable. He was pressed in from all sides. And I think it's amazing that we read this story where people are just excusing themselves. The, on one side, there's this desire to go after God. And then on the other side, there's these excuses why we're not going after God. Like, who knows what I'm talking about? Like, this is not saying that, that we don't want to, but there's like this, like, yes, God, I want to, but. And Jesus is saying, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off. You have to seize the day. Greatness is found in sacrifice. Without sweat and tears and blood, there is no sacrifice. And there is reward when we lay it all out. When we go all in. When we don't compromise. Galatians 2.20 or 2.19, Galatians 2, chapter 19, be up on the screen as well. I'm going to start reading this. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. Amen, right? So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely 
with Him. Reread it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. But it is, living, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. And the last part, is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refused, I refused to do that. To reputate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. As I was reading the, these verses, the thing that really stuck to me is that how I can so relate with everything that I read. We go from rule keeping, from excuses, from looking back, from being held back by the things that didn't happen in our life or did happen in our life. And there will always be those things in our life. We have to, we have to make a decision to move away from our past, to move away from our history, to move away from our habits and grab a hold of this Jesus that we're worshiping. We have to grab a hold of this Jesus. And for us to fully grab a hold of this Jesus, some things in our lives have to change. Some things in your life have to change. It is time to make a change. And this is what we, re what we read in this whole concept of kingdom. It calls for some alteration and some change. And our, our like big message that we, we started with in Matthew 4.17 says this, that Jesus from that time began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We have to turn from where we've been going into something else. And there are, there are seasons where, where we're living kind of a busy life and God kind of helps us. And we turn and God takes us to a level with him that we've never known before. And that is good, and that is worth testifying and celebrating. But what happens is that we sometimes get stuck in this place where God is always wanting to take us from here to there, from glory to glory, from this place of, of deep relationship to a place of deeper relationship, from His presence to more of His presence, from knowledge and wisdom to more knowledge and wisdom, from understanding to more understanding, from rule-keeping to grace-living, from religion to relationship, 
from relying somewhat on him to relying completely on him from giving most of our life to him to giving all of our lives to him from giving our Sundays to him to giving our Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays to him and then from giving our Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays to Him, to then giving our Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays to Him. He's calling us to reach for more than we've reached for before. And remind, reminding us that there are some things that we need to change. Even last night was amazing. It was like so, so amazing. But the saddest part about last night is that people will take that and hold on to it as if God has poured himself out and he has no more to give. As if Jesus and his presence is all about the feel-good music and a large crowd. That's what I love about this morning is because you stripped it all away and just sang Abba. And it was like so sweet. God doesn't need none of this stuff. To become so real he just needs our desire and and for us to voice our hunger to invite him in like it is it is that simple to just continue and not just invite him in when we get saved i invite you into my life but to, on a daily basis invite him into our daily lives but we have to make a change because i think that we are content guiding and leading our own lives. I think we're content when we see some level of success in what we're doing. And so God gives us a little bit of himself and we rejoice with it and we hold on to this and then we live with it. And some people live, live with this thing of what God did for, for decades. Have you ever met people who, who have been saved for a long time and all they do is they remind you, oh, I remember when God used to do this. I remember when God used to do this. And I'm sorry, that is the most discouraging thing you can do. Unless you say, I remember what God did 20 years ago. But let me tell you, man, what God is doing right now. This is why when people, when we, you know, when we chat with people, we have nothing to say. Hey, how are you? I'm good. That's it. That's it, like you serve the king of kings and all you can say, I'm good. All we can say is, oh, it's whatever. I mean, do, do, do you see how we are like so internally focused where God is like this byproduct? But I think that God is calling us to make some change. Like, in all honesty, who wants to remain the same? Raise your hand. Like who just doesn't want to change? Who's just like, I'm good where I am. I don't think anyone would really consciously do that. And that is the deceitfulness of Satan. Because we mentally will never say that. But in our actions, we live like that. And even last night, people came here. And people used to come here, like, they, they would share stories of, oh, man, this is so amazing. God's doing so, you know, this is so cool. You, do you know the history of this place? You know, and then, so they, they share some of the things that God used to do. And you see, the, like, their faces light up, you know, when they, when they talk about it. You know, but then 
when you ask them of where, well, where are you right now? What's going on right now? It's like, well, their, their posture changes. Just kind of everything changes. And like to me, like breaks my heart because I'm thankful for what God has done. But I just cannot wait for what God is getting ready to do. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be so selfish, so absorbed with all the things that I want to do that I miss out on what God is wanting to do. And so we have to make a commitment. And when we make some commitments, there will be opposition. So we have to remember that opposition is opportunity in disguise. And it won't be easy. But it will be satisfying, refreshing, and rewarding. So two things that I just want to mention for us to do that we can do. Well, I, can, I maybe do a couple. We'll see. The first one is... Um, it's time that we get closer to God. It's time that we get closer to God. And I know that's like a simple little, it's time that we get closer to God. So what I want to do, so we don't dismiss this, is I want you inside your heart to tell yourself, it's time. That I get closer to God. Just go ahead and do that right now. It's time that I get closer to God. Now, if you said this, raise your hand. Okay. Now, I want you to voice this on a count of three. One, two, three. It's time that I get closer to God. James 4, 8 says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. God has to shake us up. And when we say this thing, when we declare that it's time that I get closer to God, you know what's going to happen? There will be a position but you have to remember that opposition is opportunity in disguise. If you step towards God, this phrase will become real to you. You will see that there is opposition. But if you press through the opposition, opposition was just a setup for your reward. And it won't be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. So don't think that it's going to be easy. The weirdest things creep up. Show up, need your attention. But if you get closer to God, you will be satisfied. You will be refreshed. You will be rewarded. Second thing, you, <laughs> there's no other way of saying this, is, but it's this. It's time to join a crew or start a crew. And you, we have these crews and communities because you cannot fully experience the kingdom of God outside of community. If you think you're part of the church but you're not in community, then you're missing the whole point of church. Church is not an individual person. What makes up the church is community. You cannot be a married person as a single person without a spouse. The concept of marriage is two people. The concept of church is community. 
And you will never fully understand the concept of kingdom of God outside of community. If you're going to just do life by yourself, you can know kingdom, but you'll never experience what the kingdom life truly is. Jesus, in just in who he was, did not need anybody around him to do what he needed to do. He didn't need all these large crowds. He didn't need his weird disciples, slackers, passive men. He didn't need any of that. But he showed us that if you want to know, if you want to taste what I'm talking about, subject yourself into community. And what's really cool is that he said, find the perfect people who have no issues and surround yourself with them. that's what Jesus did his disciples were like perfect scholars they had love they had patience they were kind they never wanted to call fire from heaven on anybody they never wanted to steal from Jesus they're all perfect and so Jesus surrounded himself with perfect people that's what we should do and I know that we don't say this but that's what we think that's why people go from one church to another. Oh, they hurt me. Oh, they're hypocritical. Or they're so mean. Oh, he said something wrong. Or he did something wrong. Or blah, 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 blah. I'm so glad you finally found yourself to be among a bunch of people who need Jesus. You have no ego at all. But Jesus surrounded himself with people who needed work. And I'm sorry to break the news, but you need work. But we have community for growth, for development, for accountability, for responsibility. If you want to go fast, you go life alone. But if you want to go far, invite people into your life. And some of you are spinning your wheels. You're so busy. You're so busy. You're so busy and you have no time for people. That's your problem. You're too busy for people. And you'll always be like that. And I understand there are seasons where, you know, you got to plow through. But if you're two years into it, that's not really a season. That's a lifestyle. Don't let Satan fool you. Satan is Satan. <laughs> Let me say this this way. God created Lucifer. And yet, no one really wants to name our kids Lucifer. But God created Lucifer. But when Lucifer rejected God's kingdom, he became Satan. The name Lucifer actually means the morning star. Someone who shines bright. But then what Satan doesn't really represent that well. Life in the kingdom and outside of the kingdom. So there again, when you decide to join a crew or be part of a crew, I just want to remind you that there will be opposition. But remember, opposition is opportunity in disguise. And it won't be easy, but it will be satisfying, refreshing, and rewarding. James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins 
to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And a lot of you are asking God to heal you and God's telling you to get into community. And you're asking God to heal you and God's reminding you to get into community. Number three, it's time to tune in with what God is calling you to do. A lot of us, we just go through life. We just go through life and God wants to speak into the purposes that he has for each and every one of us. So we need to get into the place, and this is part of changing and shifting us, is we need to get to a place where we're like, God, where do you want me to be? Which church community do you want me to be a part of? Which work area do you want me to be? Do you want me to continue to work for my father or my mother or my brother? Do you want me to start something else? Or do you want me to actually leave what I started and work in another place? Do you want me to move there, to move there? You have to begin to ask Jesus for clarity on what your purpose and passions and what he wants you to do. But remember, when you begin to do that, there will be a position. I just wanted to remind you that. A position is opportunity in disguise. It won't be easy, but you'll be so satisfied, refreshed, and rewarded. Galatians 6, 3 and 4 says this, if, says this, Galatians 6, 3 and 4. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. A lot of the times that when we compare ourselves to someone else that we get jealous or discouraged when someone else succeeds is that we are looking at them and saying, oh, I want to be successful. I want to have that kind of a lifestyle. I want to have that size of a church. I want to have that size of a ministry. I want God to do in me and through me what God is doing through them. And what Satan does is he takes us and he puts our eyes on other people. And what we just read says, don't, don't look at each other trying to find out and, and envy one another, but look and say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want all that you have for me. And just begin to fine-tune your passions and purposes. The last one, and, and I'll be done. Ephesians 2.10 says this, God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. And the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. We have to plug ourselves into something that's far greater than ourselves. We have to come alongside things and what God is doing in our world. Part of a church or an organization or, or, or whatever God has for you that's, that's, that's positioned to shift our environments and nations and cities. We have to plug into something far greater than ourselves. Jesus did that. He modeled it. This is what changed the disciples' lives. They were living for themselves. They were successful. They had their business. And when Jesus came in, they plugged into what God was doing and it satisfied and fulfilled and they were rewarded. They found their purpose for living. 
But there will be opposition to that as well. But remember that opposition is opportunity in disguise. And it won't be easy, but you will be satisfied, refreshed, and rewarded. You and I, we can't go back and change how we've begun. But we can start where we are and change how things end. So don't be boggled down with where you've come from. But make today, this day, where things will shift in your life. And when you make this decision, remember that you will be opposed. But remember that a position is opportunity. But it's just in disguise. And it definitely won't be easy. But it will be rewarding. One of the things that we do that you guys are, many of you, if not most, are part of um, is our chronological reading plan. Like, that's something that's just amazing. Like, when you decide to do that, it's going to reward you. It's going to refresh you. It's going to give you insight like you've never had. God's going to begin to speak to you. And I would just invite each and every person to, if you're not part of this, be part of it. Join this movement of reading through the whole Bible in chronological order. And it's pretty amazing because God's speaking to so many churches and so many churches are reading through the Bible together as a community. Because when you think you're like doing something by yourself and then you look at what God is doing around the world and there's so many connections, you're like, God, this is so amazing. I thought I was the only one. I thought I was going crazy, but all of a sudden everyone's already doing kind of the same thing and you just see like this unification of what God is doing on this earth. So I would like to just, you know, if you, we have, I think we have a slide just text uh, Daily Dose to 97,000 and just sign up to, the, to, to that and, and begin to read with us. Join a crew. Start a crew. We have another one getting ready to start a, a women's one. So just go on our website, odysseychurch.com slash cruise and find the cruise. But you have to plug in. You have to plug in. You have to experience what Jesus was talking about for yourself. Sunday mornings here, we have prayer at 9 every morning, every Sunday morning. That's an opportunity. I'm sure you'll be, there'll be a position, but God will reward you. And invite every single person to be plugged in in some sort of capacity. Because God is looking to do something refreshing within your life, within this church, within our city. God is trying to set us up. God is trying to align us with what He's doing, with how He's moving. And the question is, are we going to be willing enough and our eyes, are our eyes going to be open enough to say, God, you're doing something and I want to be a part of it. Like if God is doing something, raise your hand if you want to be a part of it. Raise your hand. Raise both hands. Say, God, Go ahead and repeat after me. God, I want to be a part of the future that you're creating. Count me in. All in. God, I've never been in before, but I'm going to be in right now. All that you have for me, I receive. I want it all. All you have for a city, use me. I'm willing, I have a desire, I have a hunger, 
And so I just want to pray over you, Father, these words for some may fall flat. But for most, Father, these are words of not just great intention, but the desires of our heart. And we collectively say, Father, we are at your disposal as individuals, as a local church. Do with us how you please. Lead us in ways that you please. We surrender and submit every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our church into your hands. We are yours. We are yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.